Hi and hello, watch fans, and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighborhood watchmaker, Rob Nuts. Today, I am joined with one of my design idols, I would say, Marco Barracino of Singer Reimagined. Don't start laughing just yet. Come on, I haven't even finished the introduction. All right, okay, welcome to the show, Marco. How are you doing? Hi, Rob. I'm doing great. Thank you very, very much for, uh, for your invitation. It's always a, pre- a pleasure to, to chat with you. And uh, thank you for the appreciation. <laughs> I was being serious. You're laughing. But, you know, thank, thank you very much for coming along onto the show because I know you're very busy because when this show airs, your newest release will just be, I think, one day old in the market. So maybe we'll start off there. Could you tell us a little bit about this new model and what it is that you're so proud of seeing it come to market? So we, I've been waiting uh, six years before uh, introducing something, let's say, new to, to the Singer Imagine collection. Uh, I wanted to, to take the time for people to understand what the brand is about and to establish, in a way, uh, the proper language, proper identity for the brand. So now the time was right to, to introduce something that is... Uh, uh let's say the next step for singer so we we just presented the 40 millimeter uh, watches uh with a metal uh band that's something there's a it is an exercise that is always very complicated watches with a metal band are around everywhere but to make it uh right and to to be satisfied of uh of this uh this kind of product you need to make it really very well. And uh, I hope uh, the, the effort and the, the time we spend developing these, uh, these, uh, these watches will help, uh, will, uh, will give us the results and the appreciation that we, that we hope. So we just presented the, the 1969 collection. That's the way we call it. 1969, because 1969 is a very iconic year. In everybody's mind, there is something that is connected to this uh, year, even just the moon landing or uh, Abbey Road from uh, Beatles, the latest, the, the last album they published. Uh, and for the watchmaking industry, it was uh, also a quite important year. 1969 is the year when uh, three, the first uh, automatic chronograph three first automatic chronographs were released and uh, it's exactly where if you want singer imagine started from so the idea behind the brand is uh, is to reimagine the iconic automatic chronograph and uh, there that's why 1969 uh, is meaningful to me and that's why 1969 is the name I tell you, you've done a fantastic job with that bracelet. Like you say, it's such an important aspect of watches, especially now with the, I would say, advent, maybe a second golden age of steel sports watch design. And you've really thrust Singer Reimagined into that conversation now. I mean, this is going to be a piece which stands shoulder to shoulder with recent success stories like the Moser Streamliner or the Chapek Antarctique, for example. And you've managed to create an extremely identifiable design language, not just in the case, which is obviously what you were building towards with this release so that people understood it immediately. But that bracelet, I mean, that's come out of nowhere for me. That's an absolute peach of a design. And what I like about it, I've been trying to push this new term, Marco, right? So 
we've all heard of integrated bracelets. Now, this is not an integrated bracelet in the sense that it couldn't be removed or replaced with a leather band if somebody really wanted to. This is what I call an integral bracelet, as in it is integral to the watch's overall character, but it doesn't mean that the customer has to keep it if they don't want to, although I'm sure they all will. Was that intentional when you designed it? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Is a... To me, the, the, to leave the, the client free to enjoy his watch the best way he, he prefer is a uh, key. So when, when I was designing these, uh, these uh, time pieces, I really wanted to, to, have the, to leave the flexibility of uh, keeping the metal bracelet or eventually to, to, to interchange it with the leather or with the rubber band. That's why the the size match with the, our existing straps. So it, it's it's really a matter of uh, being able to create and to wear your timepiece the best way you want. And uh, as you said, a lot of brands today are uh, developing integrated strap that is a completely different, I would say, approach. It's really the, 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 I would say, the opposite way we, we, we went uh, when, when starting this project. Well, I think you've done a brilliant, brilliant job there. And uh, we started off right at the very present moment in time, but let's take it all the way back now so that our listeners who maybe don't know so much about Singer Reimagined and maybe haven't been fortunate enough to encounter you in their journey through watchmaking, let's go right back to your early life. I believe you spent that in Milan. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm Italian, uh, and I, I made my design study in Milan. Uh, I'm, I'm from Milan. I started uh, as a product designer a few years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and they, One or two. Yeah, and I, I was, I would say, lucky enough to step into, into watch design uh, with an Italian company in my early professional days, uh, where I understood a lot of uh, what watch design was about, because uh, we were designing for uh, several brands, and I had the chance to uh, experiment and train myself on very different subjects, very different matters, in terms of uh, style, in terms of uh, cost, in terms of everything. And uh, this was uh, the, the, the baggage that I brought with myself when then I moved on and I was hired by, by Panerai, uh, where uh, I was lucky enough to be the very first designer that was hired by, by the brand back in time, where I had the chance to work side by side with, uh, with uh, Mr. Bonatti, that was the CEO, and the person that actually brought Panerai on the scene, uh, on the worldwide scene, uh, brought Panerai to a big success that uh, it deserved. And uh, I learned a lot from, from this guy that was really a uh, visionary. So, yeah, that, that was my time in Milan until 2008, 2009. I was spending my time there. And I started visiting Switzerland because of Panerai. Uh, because of the manufacturer of Panerai. And uh, at the point in time, working for a brand like Panerai is very rewarding on the side, but can be also quite 
limiting when you are a creative person because the identity of the brand itself is so strong that uh, doesn't allow you to express very much of what you are or what you want to do. So I took the decision to leave the brand, even though I had a very interesting and convenient uh, position, and I set up my own design studio in Geneva. That's where I started collaborating with uh, other watch brand as a consultant. At the same time, uh, arriving in Geneva, I had a chance to step into the, the, the director of the design university uh, in town that asked me to, to collaborate with the, with the recently founded design department to bring some larger perspective uh, beside what was historically done in, into, the, uh, into the school. So I brought this uh, industrial design vision and I brought the, the watch design uh, vision. And I realized that uh, in Switzerland, there was no uh, watch design uh, chair existing at the university level. Back in 2013, 2014, uh, I founded with the with former director of the, of the school the very first uh, watch design teaching in Switzerland. That was quite an achievement for an Italian guy migrating to Geneva. So <laughs> that was funny, but it was uh, as well a, a fantastic experience. And uh, yeah, and then uh, my 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 path crossed the path of uh, Rob Dickinson, that is the, the 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 guy that founded Singer Vehicle Design in uh, in LA, California. And uh, we realized that uh, we had a lot of things in common, so we decided to to join our uh, visions and to create Singer Imagine as a uh, extension uh, of a single vehicle design and let's say bringing the same philosophy that was applied to the car universe uh, bringing it into the washmaking uh, industry. Okay, so you've had four real distinct chapters in your career as a consultant as a head of design at an established brand like Panerai in academia which is unusual and very interesting dive into that a little bit more and then as an own brand owner. So let's just go back and pick a couple of points up there. So what do you think, even though you're working within the creative constraints of a major brand with its own very established heritage, what do you think your greatest achievements at Panerai were? Uh, let's say that I was very lucky, lucky when I joined Panerai because it was uh, early 2000, 2003, 2004. Uh, and uh, the brand was uh, blooming. It was really the time when Panerai was... Uh, getting you know very visible around the world uh there was a big work of, of uh, creating and consolidating the identity of the brand uh, not only in terms of product but also in terms of communication in terms of uh, uh, language so i was involved as a creative person most of the creative aspects of the brand that was about catalog shooting um, events I had the chance to really stretch my muscles on different fields. And all of these experiences, if you want, they, they, were, they became very precious probably 15 years later when I, I started uh, Finger. And what do you think of the direction that Panerai has taken in recent years since you left? Because like you said, you joined at 
you know, brilliant time for the brand when everything was on the up and it was the it brand really and the Panaristi were out in force. In recent years, and maybe it's sort of recently started to recover, the general perception though has been, it's been in the wilderness a bit for the last few years. Do you see that yourself from the outside looking in? It's, it's very difficult for me to, to judge uh, what, what Panera is doing because uh, there are a lot of friends there and uh, that are doing a fantastic job. Panera is a brand that uh, deserves a lot of, uh, I would say, respect. I think the, they made, I would say, a major mistake. It's something that is uh, probably driven by the, the fact that Panerai belongs to a group. I think they're aiming to produce too many watches. Even though they can sell them, Panerai is not meant to be a brand, a mass production brand. It's not, I don't know. It's, uh, it was born as a very connoisseur very under the radar uh, object. And uh, I don't know, if, if I was there, I, I would have kept it a bit more uh, exclusive, um, maybe, I don't know, more, uh, I, I want to say confidential, but yeah. sometimes it feels like it's a, bit, it's a bit of stretch. All the version, all the, the, the variation that are done on, on, on the same team. But then I understand the, the need of a brand uh, to generate uh, income. So it, it, it's always difficult, you know, when you are uh, inside to be able to, to find a good balance between uh, everything. And when you have uh, your uh, investor that are asking for a result and, and the market that want novelties and, you know, you, 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 you need to manage so many aspects. Uh, so it's, is uh, also for me, I mean, providing this, this, this comment, it's a brand in general that, uh, that there's still a lot uh, to, to do. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably not on the, on the amount of watches that they produce. It's more on the speciality, specialities mm -hmm. and, the, mm -hmm. and, the, and the, you know, very, they, they, I don't know, they could be even more specialized on, on some stuff to, to, to be very unique yeah i think exclusive is the word really like it's it's a club kind of thing it's sort of like you said under the radar i always imagine like the, the true panaristi sort of meet in secret down some cobbled street in an underground lair and they sort of talk about their watches that nobody else knows about and of course the incredible allure of that kind of exclusive club blew the brand up in the early years and now they're kind of dealing with that extreme popularity while also trying to retain as you rightly say that confidentiality of, of the relationship between the brand and its consumers and i mean it is natural for major brands to go through these peaks and troughs and find themselves again you know it, it's hard to stay in the same place with watchmaking yeah. you could say if you stay in the same place you're going backwards so like they have to move forward and find a new way to still be relevant after the uh, the major buzz of the early 2000s but that's a very good answer and i'm sure you are in a very good position to sort of comment on all other brands because you have worked as a consultant. Are you able to tell us some of the brands that you advised during that period or is that all knotted up with confidential agreements? Yeah. <laughs> but there's a frustration of a, a lot of a, a lot of designer that works in the in the watch industry. The all the paper that you have to sign sure, <laughs> sure. when it comes to, to big brands and groups is uh yeah. I'll cut for it's quite frustrating. No problem, no problem. Um, let's move on to your academic career because this is a fascinating chapter in your life that 
I didn't know so much about, and I was doing some reading about your time with Head Geneve, the design school in Geneva, and I couldn't believe that you established the first uh, chair in watchmaking in, in Switzerland. It seems almost unfathomable, but what was that experience like? Did you meet, I, I'm sure you met many interesting people, and did you learn anything from your students themselves as you were teaching them? But first of all, I, I never imagined uh, to become a, a professor in my life. So that, that was already very, very surprising to me. And I have to say, I, I did enjoy it very much. Uh, the fact of uh, dealing with uh, young talents and young creatives, transfer to them what you have learned and uh, to, to, to help them to develop their way of create, creating is, 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 is fantastic. It's an is a, you know, incredible feeling. Because uh, in design, you, you, you cannot teach somebody to design something. Either the person in front of you is able to do that or not. It's, it's something that you have inside yourself. Uh, it's a sensitivity, it's a matter of uh, taste, it's a, so many, it's emotional. You need to understand the person that is in front of you and understand how you can help him or her to become the, the designer that is hidden inside them. So it's, it's, it's really fascinating to see how certain persons that are uh, very, sometimes very shy and very uh, close on themselves, then at a certain moment they, they really blow up and they, they start you know, understanding what they want to do and you are there to help them. It's, uh, it's really fantastic. So when you're working with, with, as a designer, you probably uh, do things in a quite kind of an automatic way because you know how to do it. When you need to help somebody else to find his own path, is uh, incredible because you can appreciate the process from outside. It, it is and it was a fantastic, fantastic experience. Did you have a mentor yourself when you were younger? I mean, how did you start designing? Because, I mean, we started off by saying, oh, you got your first design job. But, I mean, where did it come from? Were you creative as a child? Inside my family, uh, I got influenced by, by two persons. One name was, was my, my daddy, my father. Thanks to him, I developed a very deep love for cars. Uh, I used to work in the car industry, and it transferred to me the, the, the passion for, uh, for the four wheels. And the other one was my my grandpa that uh, on the daytime was a banker, but uh, in the afternoon and during the night he was a painter. Looking at him like painting, uh, drawing, always intrigued me a lot. And uh, I always I was always drawing uh, beside him. Uh, but the other thing uh, about him was that he was someone that today we could call a, a geek. Uh, back uh, in the 70s, uh, I'm from the 70s, he used to buy and collect every single new thing that was coming on the market, uh, like TV, radios, telephones. And it was the time when objects became colorful and funky. So you had, I used to, to, to spend a lot of time in my grandparents' house and they used to have this orange TV screen or this uh, red uh, 
plastic telephone or these lamps, these uh, sofas. And it was like, you know, when, when you have an image of the 70s uh, interior, that, that, that was my, my grandparents. They, they, they used to live in Milan and uh, they came from the area where uh, all the major furniture brands are based. My, my grandpa was, was really a fanatic of all these uh, objects. And I was surrounded by all these things that, that were very stimulating my, my eyes and my mind. So when it came to, to decide what I wanted to do in my future life, I, I decided that I wanted to, to design things, to, play, to, to create emotion in people, to please uh, people to use them. So that, that was the reason why I started my, my design studies in, in Milan. Amazing. What a, what a childhood to grow up surrounded by all of that as it's happening. I mean, what an explosion of creativity that decade must have been uh i'm i'm from the 80s so i guess that um yeah my my childhood was a little less uh glorious um <laughs> you had duran duran <laughs> i had duran duran yeah and this has stuck with me ever since as you can probably tell <laughs> i'd explain those bright colored shirts that i wear to all those uh all those meetings yeah so <laughs> eventually i guess like after your career in academia had taken you to those heights you decided in 2017 to start singer reimagine now i believe this came about after you met with rob dickinson as you said the founder of singer vehicle design how did that meeting come about and you know what was the conversation like when you first sat down with one another at the time i was still with the with the university and with my consultancy office in geneva and uh, as i told you i i am a petrol head i i I, I cannot cure myself. I, I love cars. And when I saw what Rob was doing with the Porsche 911, with the restoration of Porsche 911, I, I lost my mind completely. I, I was crazy <laughs> for, for what he was doing. So I found in any way to get in touch with him. And I fi- it finally happened. And, uh, and we realized... Uh, Quite quickly, uh, that uh, that we, we we had some shared uh, vision of uh, of things. The love for this uh, era, for the 60s and the 70s, for example, is uh, it, it was something that that was, that appeared say immediately. And uh, but the, the the first time I, I met him, it was just about cards. It was there was nothing else. And uh, as I was consulting. One day, I, I dropped I dropped him a, a line saying, asking him if he would ever uh, consider to create uh, some other kind of product uh, carrying the, the singer brand because the brand was going to be quite uh, quite strong around the world. And uh, he replied to me that uh, he would have loved, but uh, he was so much focused on cars and. Uh, Cars was uh, was taking so much of his time that it was impossible for him to do anything else. And he told he added one one sentence saying that there were some watch brands that contacted that got in touch with him. Uh, they wanted to make some co-branding thing, and he refused the collaboration because he didn't feel it right. He didn't want to compromise the identity of the brand with the identity of another uh, company. 
And he said, uh, if ever singer will make a wash, one day it must be as spectacular as our car, nothing less. So I went to sleep with this sentence in my head. The day after I start really thinking of what a singer wash could have been. And uh, accidentally, I, I start drawing uh, what today is, uh, is the track one. So I, I collect uh, vintage watches. I love chronograph. I'm really passionate about uh, this, this complication. And what always bothered me was the readability of the, of the chronographic uh, function because you have all the information that are spread around the dial with these uh, small cutters. So I, I started imagining a watch that, uh, that was, first of all, a chronograph. And, and I started to figure out the way to split the information of the time of the day from the time of the chrono. In the end, I came out with a, with a drawing, with a design that, uh, that later became the, the track one. And, uh, and I showed him to, to rock. And I sent him actually uh, some, some drawing by email. And he called me back and uh, he told me, Marco, I love it. We have to do that. Wow, that must have been something special for you. I was like, wow. <laughs> and I say, okay, I, 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 no problem. I can help you to, to develop the, the, the watch, design it. And say, no, 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 no. If we do it, you have to take care of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, boss. <laughs> so, so that, that was the, how thing started. Uh, it was really not, I was not expecting to, to find myself uh, in, uh, in the position and today because, uh, I, I really enjoyed to consult and to, to design for uh, different clients. But in the end, when you, when you realize the, that you can really build something that has your own signature, that has your own, that carries your values, uh, is a chance that uh, it doesn't happen twice. So I really put all my effort and my energy on the, on the development of this, uh, this watch and then the brand. But, the, but things were quite complicated in the beginning because even though I designed the, the, the watch itself, uh, we didn't have any movement, right, to make it uh, happen. Yeah, I mean that's a big deal. I mean, I mean, firstly, <laughs> you've you've done something there. You've gone to sleep with a vision in your mind. You've come you've come up with something that's never been done before, and there's a damn good reason why it's never been done before. Because I guess that resulted in you having to develop a new movement to carry your vision forward. But how did you do that? Who did you partner with, and what was that relationship like? So I started wandering around the the country. The countryside of Switzerland uh, to, to to discuss with a movement maker, and uh, as you can imagine, when you tell somebody that uh, you are a startup brand and uh, that you aim to develop a new chronograph with a completely new display, and you need it in a in a short time, they, they just laugh at you. So. <laughs> Is uh, <laughs> is that uh, oh, great! Another madman has just walked into the building, yeah, yeah, nice. let's say another crazy guy. So, uh, say, yeah, you, you put on the table 10 million and we can do that. We didn't have 10 million, so it was like, okay, let's let's see what can do. 
And um, so I was uh, getting to a point where I was about to tell Rob, uh, listen, it's going to be impossible to make it. Or we need to make it in a, a much simpler way because uh, uh, the investment to, to do it is, is too big. And uh, as I told you previously, at the time I was uh, at the head of the, of the watch design chair and I founded a scientific committee. Within the scientific committee, I, I invited people from the watch industry. And uh, one day after one of the meetings uh, we had with the scientific committee, I had lunch with uh, one guy that was named Jean-Marc Viderecht. And uh, we were discussing about uh, important matter for the university and so on. At a certain point, he asked me what I was doing beside the university because he knew that uh, I was collaborating with some brand. And... Uh, I, I took out my, my notebook and uh, I showed him accidentally the, the drawing of the singer watch. And the rest is history, I guess. And then the rest is history because uh, he, he looked at me and he said, literally, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Just what you want to hear. <laughs> they say, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new watch I'm working on. It's a, the idea of a central chronograph with the time of the day that gravitates around the dial. They said, who the hell told you about it? I asked him, sorry? What, what do you mean? He said, who told you about my secret project? Huh? Uh, I said, but it's only about your secret project, but I'm very interested in your secret project. So we, we sat for a long hour uh, uh, discussing about it. So the, at the end of the day, uh, the thing was very, very simple. We had, uh, the two of us, the same idea of uh, improving the way the chronograph uh, was working by centralizing the chronograph information in the center of the dial. Uh, so he, he had in a drawer, uh, in fact, the the beginning of a of the of the future uh, Asian graph, but he didn't have any client to to, to pay for the development. Of it. And uh, I had the on my side the client who could potentially buy the the project. But we didn't have enough money to, to pay for it. <laughs> so we, we found uh, very quickly an agreement with, uh, with Jean-Marc. So we invested in the very early day of the development of the, of the movement. But we agree with them that there were, uh, for them to be allowed to sell the same base of the movement to other brand in order to be able to to finance the full project and to be able to reach a scale factor in terms of uh, production. Because when you produce something new, like a, like a movement like this, you need to produce hundreds of, uh, of components uh, if you want to, to get prices that are uh, reasonable. As a startup brand, we were not able to, to guarantee this, uh, this volume. So the agreement was quite, quite easy, quite, quite fast taken. We, we let them offer the, the, the development 
to other brands. That's why Fabergé came uh, into the equation as well. Uh, and uh, most recently as well, Moser, they, they came into the, mm-hmm. into the project. But, you know, back in time, back in the, in the 70s, the watch industry was also be, uh, founded in, in, the, in the very same way. Uh, brands and company they were used to merge uh, their energy to build up something that was uh, then shared by by all of them. So in a way, we we, we made the history repeating uh, with this uh, Asian Graph uh, project. But we, we were let's say the, the at the very beginning of the of the creation of this uh, of this movement, and it was uh, very exciting because. It's, it's, it's the time when things happen and uh, when you can take, you know, the decision of how things will, will look like, how things will, will be. It was very impressive to work with, uh, with Jean-Marc and with all the Asian team to make this crazy movement coming to life. So how long did it take from that first launch and let's let's just make this clear never underestimate the power of a good launch Absolutely. with the right people in watchmaking <laughs> often the best way to get things done either, either a lunch or over a beer is normally where most of the best business takes place so um how long did it take from that first lunch to you actually having something that you were able to put in a case and then start to show the world well, we launched the singer brand we unveiled the singer brand on june 17th I would say three years. Three years, wow. And during that period, you were still um, chairing the watch design in Geneva? Yeah, and consulting and doing other stuff. So it was a very interesting time. And how about Rob? What was his involvement like? Did you see each other a lot during that period? I mean, he's out in LA, right? Yeah, we we, we used to see each other a lot also because... Uh, he loved the, the the idea of the watch and the, since the day one. So I was traveling quite often to to Los Angeles. That is not bad, accidentally, and uh, spending some time there. Also, to you know, when you when you want to translate the the DNA of a brand, you need to leave it. So even though I knew quite well the, the product that Rob was uh, was doing, uh, spending time with him, sitting with him, looking at how the, the people at Singer Record Design work and the process and the finishing and the thing was very helpful to me to then translate all of this thing into the watch itself, into the uh, all related things that uh, uh, gravitate around the watch itself, the packaging the point of sale material, the communication. So it was very, a very interesting time uh, to really get deep into the, the DNA of Singer. I mean, it must have been such a different experience from your time at Panerai. I mean, you mentioned that there's only so much you can do as a creative individual when you are within yeah. a big brand structure. And now you are in this role, the leader of an entirely new project, and you have your hands on everything, like you say, not just the watches, but the packaging, the POS material, uh, all the communication as well, I guess you had to think about that. I mean, were you 
glad of that? I mean, was it satisfying or did it just, was it a lot harder than maybe you thought it was going to be in different ways? I was thrilled uh, by, by this, but uh, as you can imagine, it was, it was very, very demanding. And, uh, you know, being there in the beginning, I would say alone, uh, can be also quite caring because, uh, because uh, you have a bigger responsibility. And, uh, but in the end, this is what I like to do. I, I realized it. Uh, I, I knew it from the very deep of myself, uh, very bottom of myself, but I really, I really enjoy to, to be able to oversee and generate everything around the brand itself because uh, you have a vision and uh, you can apply that vision to every aspect. And uh, managing a small structure, uh, we are really a handful of people at Singer today. Uh, everyone is very involved very personally to, to what it does and, and everybody brings his, uh, his own uh, contribution but you can I'm still able you know to to, to uh, facet to, to or it, model every uh, creative aspect that uh, that come out from from singer so how many people do you have working for singer now we are uh, six Wow. Okay. Six people. I mean, that's a tight knit team. So yeah, I mean, everybody's yeah, got yeah. to bring their best to the table because uh, there's nowhere to hide in a company of six people. That's, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> so of all those things, of all the difficulties and all of the things maybe that you didn't expect when you started the brand, what has been your favorite aspect of being a brand owner and obviously a brand ambassador for the whole project? Uh, not sleeping is probably my favorite, not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget about no, that. <laughs> forget about yeah, sleep. <laughs> forget about sleep. No, it's, uh, it, you know, when, when you finally see the, your, your watch, your product on, uh, on the, on somebody else wrist and, uh, you, you feel that the person is appreciating it. You, you understand that what you are doing is right and uh, that uh, I guarantee you is, uh, is probably the best reward for all the effort and all the sleep, sleepless night and all the, the, the energy that you have uh, put into, into to the company. The, the creative part is by far my, remain my favorite. Uh, I, I can enumerate a, a lot of things that I do not like to do, but I, I have to do. Uh, and at least it's quite long. Is uh, let's say still creating what uh, amazed me the amuse me the most. So, how many watches has Singer actually put out into the market now? How many pieces are on people's wrists around the world? I, I, I really do not know. I never counted. Is uh, I don't like numbers really, but uh, I would say probably we are around three, four hundred. Oh, that's amazing! That's amazing. Have you ever spotted one in the wild on a wrist of somebody that 
you've never met, they've never met you. And like that moment when they realize it's you and they come over, what's that like? Fantastic. It happened me a couple of times. And uh, yeah, to see the, to get close to somebody telling, telling him that he's wearing a nice watch. And he proudly said, uh, do you know them? And, uh, and then this conversation starts. It's, it's, it's something amazing. <laughs> so you go in there stealthily, like, you know, yeah. pretending like, oh, that's a sexy yeah. little watch you've got on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must be a lot of fun. It's a good job. Yeah. Nobody says, oh, yeah, it's crap. You know, Jesus. <laughs> if, if I ever meet the guy that sold me this. <laughs> Thank God for that. So tell me this, right? Three years after you started, obviously the pandemic hit and that, caused a bit of a upheaval in the industry and caused a lot of problems for a lot of brands what it did what did it do for you was it a good thing for sales was it a bad thing for supply tell us what that was like it was a very tough time Ray. both uh, i would say personally and uh, business wise because uh, we didn't achieve yet the the status of a brand that is well known uh, and that is able to sell watches, uh, I say online, because people that buy a singer watch, they fell in love with it when he when they put it put it on on their wrist. So it was very difficult time for us to to go through. We were lucky enough to be a small team that helped us not to to have too many charges to to face and we also tried uh, our best to get in touch with the people that could uh, let's say support us we did some action uh, in asia for example we were uh, uh, I, I was spending my my very early day morning uh, on a on skype call and uh, team meeting uh, with the uh, collectors on the other side of the world uh, that received the full collection of watches and they was presenting them uh, online from uh, from my place it was uh, it was very tricky to find a, a way to get through it we did it we sorted out but it was um, very complicated the other thing is that since pandemic it's the older supply chain became just crazy so we are still suffering uh, ourselves like most of the watch brand around we are still suffering from uh, from delays and crazy situation due to the pandemic still today i mean it's interesting because of your shared development of this movement with brands like fabergé and moser of course you've not just got to worry about your own supply that is depleting the available movements, but also the supply to other brands, I suppose. So it can create quite a backlog. And um, what's what's the longest waiting time you've had for a watch that you've uh, you've already sold before delivering it to a customer? It was probably when we launched the the, the flight pack that was in the very beginning of the pandemic. So we got like one year and a half, uh, yeah, to to wait before delivering the first watch. Oh, well, luckily enough, it's worth waiting for. So, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's the advantage of doing a good job. Um, people don't mind waiting that long. And in some ways, I've noticed that the pandemic has made people much more comfortable with waiting 
a long time for something. A lot of the consumers that I talk to, a lot of the listeners to the real-time show say that they're happy to get their money in early for a watch that they believe in. And then if it takes a year or it takes two years, they're actually okay with it because they know that they've committed to a project they believe in, which obviously if it were released one or two years later would be even more expensive. So in some ways they feel like they're just making an investment in their own future. And talking of pricing though, I had this thought recently because I love Singer Reimagined and uh, when I first saw the watches in person and tried them on, I think one of the things I said to you was I was blown away by the execution of the design. Now the design to me was arresting enough on the screen, but seeing it in real life, it's absolutely mind-blowing, like how well it's all done, the tolerances, the closeness of the components, the crystal. So it feels like everything is leaping out of the watch into your face. I was like, wow, this is a wonderful, wonderful concept. But I wondered at that time, do you have any aspiration to create watches, maybe in a similar vein design-wise, but in a vastly different price bracket? Do you sort of look up at the very, very high end of horology, like six-figure watches, or look down to a more affordable level, like MBNF has tried to do with the Mad One editions and whatnot, and think, you know what, that would be fun to try and experiment in that in that field. Does that ever come to you? Do you think that's something you're interested in in the future? Let's say that what we do today at Singer is, I mean, the, the, the price point is driven by the complexity and the, I would say, the execution, as you said, that, that, we, that we deliver. Uh, it was not uh, a starting point for us. It was uh, it happened to be to be like this because of the cost of the movement, because of the cost of the component we use. So we couldn't do anything different. Of course, I would I would love to to make watches that are more affordable to be able to please much more much more people. I, I think there is a lot of there would be a lot of potential for our design language applied to uh, a lower price point uh, product. Max uh, did uh, this exercise very well. They are very successful uh, with that. Not sure we will uh, do something in, in that direction because uh, for the time being, we are really keeping, you know, developing things that are never been done before. We're dealing, we're playing with things that unfortunately are, remain quite niche, quite, quite exclusive, and therefore quite expensive. I'm not sure that that's uh, something that we should ever feel bad about. I mean, for goodness sake, you, there's a lot of meat left on this bone, as, as they say. And to that end, what are your plans for the next 10 years? If I could say to you, what do you imagine, Singer Reimagined, to look like in 10 years' time? Honestly speaking, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we had planned for product development for the, the next few years. How things will go and where Singer or Imagine will stand uh, in 10 years is uh, probably out of my, <laughs> my capacity of imagining it because I, I, I'm making, I try to make in the exercise for the finance guys. It's so, Difficult. I mean, projecting what is going on next year with the uncertainty of uh, the supply chain, the market changes, the war, the pandemic, all this shit. I mean, nobody, nobody can tell 
today what is going to be watchmaking industry in five years. That's a very fair point. I mean, it's all very speculative. I also have to produce these financial plans for many years ahead, but I'm I'm totally conscious of the fact that I can spend a week doing that and then within six weeks' time it'll all be obsolete because something will have changed and thrown the industry on its head again. But I think that the state of independent watchmaking is pretty healthy. I think coming out of the pandemic, it's one of the groups of uh, watch companies that seems to be thriving the most. Do you feel that? I mean, is there still a great interest in the brand? Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, for us, it feels uh, still like the, the, the beginning of something. Is uh, As you said, we went through two years of pandemic where during these two years, very little happened, at, at least for us. So it's six years that we exist. The first uh, six to eight months, it was really quite uh, abstract, our existence, but <laughs> we were there. I am the feeling that people now are starting recognizing what Stinger, Stinger stands for. Uh, the, our design language uh, become familiar to people. Uh, the complexity of our movement start to be digested as well. That was something that was quite difficult in the beginning because a, a, a newcomer brand coming with such a big innovation was uh, very disruptive. And most of journalists uh, were not ready to, to understand it. So I let you imagine what the public was about. I mean, mm-hmm. People just didn't realize what Singer was. Mm. So I feel today we're starting uh, to be recognized. So for me, I would say, I don't want to say it's the starting point today, but we are uh, on the beginning of, uh, of something. I think that's a really fair assessment, a very accurate assessment as well, because when you were coming into existence, I was a journalist, and I must admit, like the first time that I saw a singer reimagined, I didn't really get it. You know, I didn't, I liked it, but I didn't feel it. And I know for a fact, because I have my own experience to lean on, that over the years, seeing what you're doing each release further explaining the brand, further confirming the design language and justifying the complexity and shining lights on different aspects of the watch, the movements, the display, what it is you're trying to say with it. I feel you've made it. I think that it's there now. It's done like your feet are under the table in the industry. You are an established independent brand. Everybody that loves watchmaking, well, not everybody, but probably most people that love watchmaking knows about Singer Reimagined. I haven't heard a bad word said. I think that the creativity is next level and what many brands should look to as inspiration for the future. And that will come around again to my last question. But before that last question, I have a bit of a whimsical one for you. All right. If you weren't a watchmaker or a design-focused academic or a consultant, what would you be? Uh, an architect. An architect? Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. I love I love architecture. I love create. I I, I mean, I, I know it's not that original and far away from being a designer, but <laughs> that was a, I was what I really would like uh, would have liked to to be. Uh, of course, a race driver, but 
I, I'm sure uh, I would be, I would have been a better architect than a race driver. <laughs> well, there's still time, Marco. There's nothing to say that you can't design a, a building at some point in your life. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm working on it. All right, good, good, good. Well, we'll we'll keep our eyes on that project. Uh, I look forward to it. Okay, last question for you. All right, because you have had one heck of a career and you know a really interesting upbringing. What advice do you have for someone hoping to follow in your footsteps? You don't have to give me like specific things because I know you don't want them to come and steal all your business. But like, <laughs> you know, if you were like mentoring somebody starting out, what would you say to them? What is very important is to keep following your desire uh, and and to keep follow your gut feeling is uh, is something that helped me immensely it i was really stupid enough to do that because sometimes uh, you make uh, mistakes but every mistake you do bring you probably closer to what you really want to do so never underestimate your gut feeling Try as badly as you can to to do what you really enjoy. Bold advice. What a brilliant place to end what has been a fascinating interview. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know it's a very busy week with the new release, but I'm I'm sure that it will be met with, I'm sure it already has met, should I say, because it's already out. I'm sure it has met with um, great acclaim because it deserves it absolutely. So hopefully we'll get you back on the show in the next few months to talk about the the response to that new watch and everything else that's coming from seeing it in the future. If you would like to send us any questions for Marco or for future guests, or just for our Q and a sessions on Tuesday, then please do get in touch via the usual channels. You can contact me on Instagram at Rob Nuds. That's R O B N U D D S. My regular co-host can be found at Alan Ben Joseph. That's A L O N B E N J O S E P H. Or you can contact us via email, either Rob or Alon at therealtime.show or via our contact form on the website, www.therealtime.show. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share the podcast with everybody you know, even if they don't like watches, this might be their starting point into the industry. We will see you next time. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking. Bye.